Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia. And this week on the podcast, I'm joined by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you doing? Yeah, doing really well. Hey, I asked you on the show this week to talk about, it's a concept we introduce in our accreditation and often when we're talking about particularly the lifestyles inventory, which is this S plus T equals R or situation plus thinking equals response or reaction. And we'll get into a bit of that. But I often get questions around it. So mm. what, one, it's kind of like, what does it mean? How does it relate to the RSI? So that'd be good just as an intro. But then also what would be interesting to go into is people often say, you know, I have to do this because of the situation I'm in. So if we can get into those two topics today, I'd be really excited. How does that sound? Good. Yeah. It's, um, I really love that formula. And technically, it's sort of stimulus plus thinking equals response. And Stephen Covey was famous for saying that between the S and the T, there's a space. Mm-hmm. And that space can help us make better choices. I think I use that, it comes from cognitive behavior psychology. So once upon a time, it was a bit like behavioralists would think that there was a stimulus and then you just react Do like something. Pavlov's dog. Uh-huh. Bell Ring rings, salivates. The T is important because it indicates that between something happening out there and our behavior, there's some processing that we do. Some of that processing is not just thinking, so it's not just cognitive, it includes how we feel. Mm. And so I think of the S as um, the world out there, situations, people, circumstances. Something comes out, yeah. Incoming traffic. Yep. We run it through a series of filters, Mm. how we've been conditioned, our values, our experience, our skills, our knowledge. Mm. So a whole range of things that go through our our mind and our body around Mm. responding. Now, so the S is kind of the external stimuli that are coming into us and that's coming in externally. It's not very often that we're in control of that. Mm. Or at least not in that moment. Not right? in that Something moment. Something happens. Well, I, I would actually you at one level that we're not in control of what happens in the external environment. Sometimes we can influence it. Mm-hmm. We're only in control of ourselves. So my, oh, my yeah, little argument it. here, go so how it. I set it up is in the short term we're not, right? But in the long term we can influence it because depending on how we think and how we behave, maybe we can change that situation. Yeah, so we can we can influence it in that way, but we're never going to be in control of all the factors. So change mm. doesn't now need our permission to happen, mm-hmm. you know, so sure. in that sense. So I think there's that, but then what happens is something happens and it's not that that's happened, it's how we've, what we've made it mean, how we perceive it. Mm. Yeah, what meaning we attach, yeah. Correct. What yeah. the meaning that we attach to it, the attitude that we have towards it that then informs and shapes our behavior. Mm. So that's the R. When I talk about it, I think the R can either be a response mm-hmm. or it can be a reaction. Mm-hmm. And so what's the difference between those two? For me, I guess the reason I split it up is the reaction is more instinctual. It's more 
a reaction could be unconscious, could be very fast. So something happens, we're triggered and bang. So in that formula of S plus T equals R, it's very compressed. Correct. There's very little space. You talked yes. about space earlier yes. between the S and the T and the R. Yep, and you go straight into a reaction. Mm-hmm. So the other difference I think is a, a breath, mm. okay, and, and the space, as mm. you said. In a reaction, it's kind of automatic. It happens very quickly. We're likely, unlikely to have really considered or deliberately chosen it. That's the reason I introduced that. A response is we've been able to process it, and it might have happened really quickly, but we're still making a decision, a choice around our response. And one of the examples I give to show S plus T equals R in action is I say to the workshop, how many people ever get angry? Because it's something that people normally (laughs) happens to them. Yeah. I say, do you get angry the same at home Mm. as you do at work? Mm. And over 15 years, I've only had one group and two people that said it's the same. Mm. But most of the time, people say it's different. Okay. How's it different? I'm intrigued now. Are you the same? Probably not. Okay. How are you different? How does the context shape your, how you express your anger? Well, I guess in a work situation, you can be more restrained because you feel you got to be a certain way and yeah. things are appropriate or not appropriate. And I mean, it sounds terrible to say that because then that's implying or inferring that um, at home you don't have to you be let restrained. it fly. Yeah, you let it fly. <laughs> Which is what most people say. Mm. At home, I'm kind of well loved and I know that, you know. It sounds so awful when you start saying me. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so there's a bit more freedom because there is more security Mm. in the relationship, Uh right? Whereas at work, there's a bit more felt need for some, for many of us to restrain, reserve, be careful. Uh And even in an organization where we can have a really good argument, Uh we might still not be as free. Mm. So I use that as an example because I have found over the years that for most people, they do anger differently. Mm. So the S, home, work, impacts how they think and feel about how they're going to react or respond. So I think in work, we might more respond, Mm. choose our response more often. None of these are black and white. You know, like I'm saying this on the basis that it's not it's not an absolute. It's not a rule for all the time. It's just mainly. And at home, we might react a bit more freely. Of course, we might respond at home as well, you know, so they're not yeah. black and white. But it's the idea that the environment, the context that we're in, the people who surround us play a role in the behavior, how we think play a role. So there are two parts to it the environment, the context, the mm. stimulus, mm. plus how we perceive it, how we think about it, how we feel about it, all those lenses, the filters that we talked about, values, conditioning, prior experience, helps us understand and put meaning to it and then there's a behaviour. And so in connection with what we do, that thinking lens is the outside one. So how I see the world, why I do what I do kind of stuff. Yeah. And the outside two can be the the response, that behaviour and what we measure. Here's a curveball for you that I was just thinking about. Because I think 
at least when I hear it, and I might have interpreted it wrong, but I always hear reaction as being red or green, yeah, pe- yeah. defensive. Yeah, yeah. Could it ever be that, you know, maybe someone's just so constructive in their thinking that they react, but they react totally in a constructive way? Totally. Totally can be that way. So then, so response then is about making conscious choices about what we want to do. Yeah. And it is a simplistic way of describing it, but it's just helpful when you're first getting Mm. your head around it. But Mm. totally, if you are spent so long Mm. practicing constructive, Mm. thinking constructive, then ideally it's rewired Mm. how you're processing in terms Mm. of the T. And Mm. so... If you've done it enough times, your reaction definitely could be on autopilot and could be a habit of being constructive, definitely. But when we explain it, it just helps people to see that this is not good or bad. It's uh, just what happens. We have reactions that are instinctives, that are drives, that can be constructive, can also be defensive. And I think the time we notice, and because we all do it, I I do it too, is when you do react to something and let's face it, typically, or the one you notice yeah. at least is the defensive one. Yeah. Where something happens and I get upset. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, bite back or whatever it is. And then afterwards you're like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't a great yeah. thing to do. And right. Think- and, and you're, but you're operating on autopilot, you know, and, and you're like, well, if I had have made a choice about that, I would have made a better choice. And, you know, none of this stuff is, that black and white. Yeah. But when we're first introducing it to clients or to our practitioners, we learn by categorizing and conceptualizing mm. and simplifying. Mm. So to begin with, it's a good place to start mm. to think about reactions. We can understand that they might result as being triggered. Mm. And, you know, if somebody said something, it's a pet hate of mine, and I've just gone bang, you know, yep. or I've, you know, I've made it mean. Does that mean you don't like me? Mm. And so mm. then I I'm withdraw. Going to, yeah. So you got both of them. It's never that black and white, but it's helpful for people to think about it. So when we look at the S plus T equals R, and you you raise that sometimes, and I hear it as well, people will say, "We'll give the S mm. a lot of power." Yes, that's the reason why I do yeah. what I do. I have no choice. Uh-huh. I have to because my manager or the culture of the organization is XYZ. It's this way, yep. Okay. Now, a really what can be a difficult concept for people to really grab is that if you give that much power to the S, you're a victim. Mm. And I don't want to take away from people who are in real dangers of Serious danger, yeah. abuse, you know, and, and they are real victims. But I'm talking about people who feel that they're a victim of the circumstance that they're in and there may be another choice available to them. Mm. But they're invested in seeing or making the environment, the organisation, the leader responsible mm. for their choices. Mm. So one of the things to remember is it, we can't say that the environment hasn't played a role in the way that we are being. That would be untrue, I think, and unrealistic. Yeah. But it's not just the, the S, it's the T. Yeah, you so know? it's an addition. <laughs> it's an addition. The T yeah. is what has led to your behaviour, and, and that's where you know the LSI and coaching is really about helping people build capacity to – think about the choices 
that they're making. Think about the mindset, the set of beliefs that lead them to think a certain way and to make a decision about whether that serves them still or whether it limits them. Mm. Okay, so I think the T is what is important here because if you make the S the bigger than the T, it means that really you're kind of putting yourself in a situation where you can't change it Your if it doesn't make a difference. It's a locus of control thing. So Correct. it's all external control yeah. versus internal. Yeah. And I think by and large, for many of us, that's an illusion. Mm. Okay. It, we might, the choices might suck, to be honest, you know, so it right. doesn't mean that Bad the fact that I'm saying choices, you have yeah. to take choice, you know, it doesn't mean that it's a good choice or it's the choice that we want but it means that there might be some options and so we're, we're choosing. So I think empowerment, self-empowerment mm. comes from looking at how you think, you know, how you're reacting or responding to something or someone and then having enough space, enough resources internally to be able to make a different choice. Mm. Easy to say, mm. but a lot of the work that, coaches do that we do in our work is helping people to build that capacity if they feel that they don't have it at Mm. the moment. And sometimes it's helping them realize that that is what is on offer. Yes. And that there are options out there. In my experience, when people go to, well, in this situation, I have to do whatever, they've shut down all the options. Yeah. Right. There are no options in their view. And part of the coaching is opening those up, right, and helping them see that actually there are some different options. There are different ways of going about it. Yeah. And getting them to to experiment with those and say, okay, you know, it's a tough situation. Your manager is a certain way or, or whatever. The company's a certain way and you're doing this thing right now, but what could you do? What are some other ways? Mm. You know, let's have a think about it. What are alternatives? And even if you feel like, you know, I've got kids, I've got a mortgage to pay and I've got no choice, I have to work here. Okay, Mm. let's just accept that that's how you see the situation at the moment. Mm. How do you start ensuring that if you're going to stay, Mm. that you feel that your effort makes a difference, Mm. that you feel that you can set some goals around what you want to contribute and what you can get out of it. Mm. So sometimes you have to start, meet somebody where they're at. But my belief is really if we want to live a, you know, the life that we're capable of that that is there for us, better, not perfection, mm. we need to, if we can accept that we take responsibility for our choices, mm. That's hard because responsibility means that you can't put it on somebody else. Uh It's down to you. Uh It's on you. Uh But it's liberating because if you can change it, then what you need is people around you who will help you look for that that action, who will look for that possibility. You don't have to get there in a hurry and sometimes it takes time. But for us, that S plus T equals R is really around building the T you know, and helping people see that there are different choices that they can make, Mm. help them take responsibility Mm. so that they can have a more satisfying life, not just at work, but at home as well. Mm. 
And how do you recommend people open up that space? Because you talked about putting the space between the situation and the thinking. Mm. Are there any like tips or, or thoughts that people can have to try and open that up? Yeah. And so I think one of the first things is, so if I was drawing this on a whiteboard, I normally draw, if you feel, when we feel kind of overwhelmed and it feels the S is massive, so I'm drawing a massive S. Big and your Big yeah. situation and your T feels quite small. It's not even a capital T, it's a little T uh-huh. and it's fused uh-huh. to the S uh-huh. and that feels overwhelming not in control, I can't see. Running on momentum. I'm running on momentum, adrenaline, I can't see what I need to do differently. So one of the first things to do is to do kind of a self-audit in terms of what do I notice about myself. So very often with clients, one of the ways of creating distance is to watch how I am with people. Now, that's not you know, some people say it's not an action to change it. It's not going to change it immediately. But what it does is to introduce the idea of an observer. So yourself as an observer, Uh. okay? And so if I'm watching myself, suddenly I'm in it, so I'm not disconnected, but I'm just noticing how I am with you, Dom. I'm noticing how comfortable I am. I'm noticing my posture. I'm noticing the language that I use. Just noticing starts to introduce a bit of separation, Mm. right? If I can notice it, I can name it. Mm. I can name it, I can reflect on Mm. it. So sometimes I say to people, don't change anything. Mm. Just notice when this comes up, what happens. And it's permission to observe and learn versus a pressure to have to, to change it. So I think that's one way of actually creating, it's not who I am, uh-huh. It's been something that I've been doing. Yeah, and you, if you notice it and catch it, you can change it. Yeah. So that's one thing. Hmm. Not feeling like I am perfectionistic, I am yes. being oppositional. It's not who you are. It is uh-huh. one habit that you've dropped into and there's a chance that it probably serves you in some way, mm-hmm. but it may also limit you. So if you get people noticing, self-auditing, self-scanning, watching, listening to their language, suddenly by necessity, like you know, you, if you're watching yourself, you're not totally identified with mm. being oppositional. Because you've got an outside view or whatever yeah, you yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's trying to get that outside view or the witness view. The narrator's view, view or something. Yeah, yeah. and um, the other thing that I'd say is sometimes – one way of increasing the space between the S and the T is reflection. Mm. So I think I make a distinction between ruminating and Mm. reflection. So ruminating is spinning wheels. Mm. We go round and round and round and round. It's like a a saw that we keep on on picking. Mm. And what happens when we ruminate, it's like we're reliving first-person experience of what happened. Uh. So kind of we're reactivating it. Uh. So it's almost like reactivating the, the the feelings of insecurities or any, you know, things that were unpleasant or that worry us or that frustrated us. Uh. And what happens after ruminating, because we're going round and round, nothing's actually re- solved uh-huh. and we're exhausted. Yeah. Because yeah, it's tiring. It's tiring. We're running in our head. Yeah. You're running in your head and you're actually reliving something that was a concern or or not not constructive. 
What you do, though, is if you reflect and you take this fly-on-the-wall perspective or you take a – I also think people at a bus stop, like if you're at a bus stop, you're not attached to anything that's happening. You're just watching. Uh You're there, part of it, but it's the observer. So fly on the wall and you reflect and, you know, write can help in terms of if I was a fly on a wall watching myself in this situation, mm. what would I see? Or if my mentor, you oh, know, mm. or if um, I was a bus stopper, I was in the movie and I wasn't in the movie, but I was in the audience. Mm. So getting some literal, some sort of psychic, if you like, some distance, not psychic as in psychic, but some distance between yeah. being in it and ob- observing it. Yeah, noticing. You're more likely to have an insight around it. Uh-huh. Whereas if you're ruminating, it's too close. Yeah, I like that. That's usually my action after like a debrief of an LSI, yeah. after the first session, which is just about building awareness and yeah. you know what's going on for them, is between now and next time we meet up, just notice. Yeah. Right? Notice the thoughts that run through your head and yeah. Maybe we talked about a particular situation or something. You know, notice what comes up for you. What's the feeling? What's the thoughts? And what's the reaction? So what's the T and the R, basically, in that, yeah. in that equation? Yeah. Because when people do that, you do start noticing. And the other point that you said earlier that I just want to pick up on as well is the you are not, like, people say, I'm a perfectionist. I'm competitive. Mm. I'm, you know, approval-orientated, whatever. And I'll always point out, like, you're not perfectionist. You know, sometimes you're thinking, you know, you've learned to think in a perfectionist way. Yeah, totally. Right? But you can unlearn that and learn something else. Yeah. So, you know, LSI's thinking and behavior. So they're learnt. Mm. At some point, we got the message that if we did this, it would work for us. Mm. And if it worked for us, we kept doing it. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? Right. You know, why wouldn't you keep Worked. doing it? Yep. And you don't stop doing it until you realize it's not working for mm-hmm. you. It's the payoff and the trade Or there's trade-off. a better way. Or there's a better it. way yep. of doing it. So I think that is really important that people disidentify. Mm. You know, that's why when people sort of feel like it's a badge of honor to mm. be competitive or perfectionistic, mm. they have identified who they are with a, a set of behaviors. Yeah. It's not who you are. So getting that separation. The other thing I think that's useful, and we might put this on the podcast website, Dom, is I give people a a self-audit reflection log. Uh So for a week, I have to say that not everybody uses it. (laughs) I always find it's really, what happens is when you're in a pattern way of behaving, it's a little bit also a routine Mm-hmm. And so this is something to help break that routine. But the reflection log, the self-audit log is I get people to just, it's not a journal, it's just kind of a log. So meeting times, who, what happened at mm. work, who am I meeting with, what happened at home, what did I observe play out? When About I was, myself? Yeah, or, yeah, when I was constructive, uh-huh. when I was defensive. Uh-huh. And this is just learning about myself. So this is the observer and taking some notes. Yeah. Now, if you can do that for a week or two, what starts to happen is you can see the triggers quite clearly. Mm. You can see what are the circumstances. You can see when it wasn't so much the circumstance, but you were tired. Mm. You hadn't eaten. You know, you can see what the cause and effect 
Mm. and you can work with that. So that's a really useful way of bringing together everything that we've talked about. So mm. the kind of observe, notice, name, mm. log it, don't change it. You just learn it. Observe, yeah. Observe, see if there's a pattern mm. of things that create it or trigger it and then what action might you take, you know, how you – it that informs what you might do differently, a choice. I like that. So useful for the next coaching session because then you can talk about a specific example and say, yeah. okay, I noticed that I had this thought and I went down this path. Cool. What other options are there? Back to opening up options. What could you have done differently? Yeah. Right? Or thought differently? Like how else could you see this? Now we can have a really rich conversation about something that's real, like a real situation. Totally. And what I like about it, I remember the first time I, one of my earliest clients was an investment banker, like 110 percentile red, (laughs) but struggling, struggling Mm. because it wasn't working, had a new child or the firstborn and, but didn't know Mm. how to change it. Mm. And, um, I didn't think he'd do it. I oh. didn't think he'd go because so busy is in that treadmill, mm. you know, going round and round. And sometimes these unhealthy patterns are type kind of an addiction because you keep going round mm-hmm. and round. You can't stop it. So I didn't think he'd do it, but he did. He did mm. it, and he came back in two weeks, and he was so excited because mm. he said, "I've worked it out. Got the insight. I'm not this way with everyone." Huh. You know, I'm oppositional in this kind of circumstance, in these conditions. And and you're right, we had a great session. But what I, I loved about it and what I learned about its power is it gave him back power. Mm. So he was struggling. He came to these conclusions. He came mm. to this insight. Mm. And suddenly it felt like he he had an alternative mm-hmm. because it wasn't the whole world that experienced him that way. No. And he realized that he wasn't like that all the time. Yeah. So he was able to identify who and when he was constructive and who and when, you know, he, he wasn't, when oh. it was going to trigger the opposition or the power. Oh. So I, I like it because I think the whole purpose of creating the space between S plus T is you want to help people build their own capacity you're there to help help them do it and you're holding in trust the confidence that is up there for them. You know, you're you're holding for them what they're not able to do just yet, but it's them doing it. And I thought that's a great activity, kind of ticks off mm. all those things that we talked about. All right. Well, we'll get a copy of that, Corinna. We'll put it up on the, the website for this episode. And so there'll be a, a link to it in the show notes for this episode. So So go in and check it out and give it a try with one of your clients. Um, or for yourself if you're going through your own LSI journey at the moment. Or even if you're not, just give it a try. I mean, it'd be interesting anyway, just anyone to log it, I guess, right? And just oh, for sure. notice. So, yeah, give it a go. And let us know how you get on. You can uh, email us. There'll be a, our email address there, which is podcast at human-synergistics.com.au as well. We'd love to hear some feedback on if you find it useful and stuff. All right, Corinne, thanks so much for your time today. Pleasure. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. 
To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.